Podcasting to get to episode 150. This is how many CEOs have been on the show. Oh man, at least 85. (laughs) That's probably a really good estimate. Like, that's probably a really good estimate. (laughs) I'm really good at guessing. That's why I go to Vegas and don't bet on things. But But I was going to tell you. I'll go ahead, D. I just go to Vegas and guess around the time I'm going to get interested in going to see a show. Hey, 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 Cello, uh, who'd you bet on for the McGregor fight? Uh, Mayweather. Okay. thought you said you're going to throw it all on McGregor anyway, and I was like, well, you lost again. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, ignorant to the sport of boxing. Like, he's I'm the best a, defensive boxer of all time. I'm McGregor. Like a monsoon outside. I almost did that because I figured, like, hey man, he could get lucky. He's bigger. He's Irisher. He could he could get a lucky strike. Are you recording? Yeah, he, like, I'm well, recording. Are we? Are it's you not so much on? about the strikes. This it's, is part uh, of the what was it? The eight ounce gloves. Yeah. All right. Let's let's start talking about Bitcoin. You want to say hello? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to introduce Cello. You need to introduce yourself. Uh, here we are, 150. I'm your boy, Marcello. Yep, and I'm host number two, D. As always, bringing up the rear, Corey. And that's it. We've introduced ourselves. You know, I used to remember like when I was a kid, shows that had their 100th episode it was like a thing like when a show had 100 episodes wait wait if we want rack to introduce this show we probably should have like a proper entrance that's not like there's a one percent chance you're gonna get this dick wait that's that's true not that's not gonna be i'm gonna edit that out now the audience is gonna know we were listening to some straight up trap music before (laughs) You need to close those windows. Every time you talk, I hear the rain. All right. One second. Let's just start over. Well, I mean, I think that that is a testament to his music. Like, I listen to... Hey, I can listen to Hootie and the Blowfish, then I can listen to Gucci, and then I'll throw in some rack. All I want to be with you. I am a Hootie fiend. Like his music. No way. This is coming out of the blue for me. What? Yeah, oh. I come from different worlds. Ah. Here, do I need to turn my my video on and show you my hoodie albums? Because I'll do it. 
I'm okay with that. Not only want to be with you. Is that better? Oh, much better. Yeah. How hard do you think it would be to to live life in the Hootie and the Blowfish voice? Like, can I get a double cheeseburger and a super size fry? He doesn't like. He doesn't like keep the cadence of that shit when he talks. Yeah, if you were a musician and you had a hit song, would you just talk in your hit song voice 24-7? You think like his daughter like is upset about a boy breaking up with her and he just said, let her cry. How, yeah, I think I would. That's just to make sure it's branding. Because everyone, like if you're CeeLo and you go to like Outback Steakhouse, you're like, mm, can I have a nice steak, make it medium rare? And they're like, oh, it's CeeLo. I didn't know that by looking at him. That sounds you just gotta, like your hoodie, by the way. Yeah. I, no, it doesn't. Yeah. My hoodie your hoodie pretty, and your CeeLo are pretty similar. It's pretty identical. <laughs> no, one was a lower and one was a up, upper pitched. You put a little bit of your Cleveland Brown in there. Oh no! You one. know what I? You know what I miss yeah. quite a bit actually. Something we haven't done in a long time was the D impersonating a black celebrity talking about Bitcoin. Yeah, those were great. But um, I haven't listened to any black celebrities talk in a while. So I don't know if I can... Maybe Denzel? That's you a hard that one. The, the, new, the new hot black guy is that John Boyega guy. I know who that is. Oh, the British guy? The one from uh, Star Wars and Detroit. How do you get this information? Is there hot black guys weekly? Like... He's Jet a lead actor in the, Jet in the new Star Wars. The new you watch oh, Star Wars. Yeah. If you're, if you're a black man and you're watching Star Wars, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a black guy in Star Wars. Yeah, Lando. Everybody loves Lando. Not Lando, man. That's Childish Gambino, and that's next year. I'm talking about the ones right now. Is Donald Glover going to be Lando Calrissian? Yeah. Young Lando. I was, I was looking into Childish Gambino. He has a lyric. And that lyric is, is Childish Gambino hose dropping like the NASDAQ. And I was like, oh, man, that's really creative. But then I thought, um, it's really has to, the timing has to be great for that line to work because the NASDAQ isn't always dropping. You know, sometimes it's going up. So I don't know. I, I think he had a line. He had a line that was pretty raunchy that I liked, but he what said is- that he's going to he's going to make his girl swallow his daycare i thought that, that was pretty clever that's you that's just told me to listen to gucci Mane and some other garbage yo and you're, and you're hating on childish gambino i'm not hating on childish gambino i was just analyzing childish gambino. but he's he's young lando now so he's not coming out with any more trap he writes lyrics that you can analyze like by the way the Ogadi. It's, you can't analyze. I tell all my hoes, rake it up. It's like, but well, that one percenter line though, that's clever because he's in the one percent, and also he's giving the girl one percent. You gotta think about it. Mm. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> you're reaching. By the way, for those who are listening, we have a really good interview, but you're not going to get much out of this this roundtable. It's one fifty. Yeah. We're just we're celebrating. We're just celebrating. <laughs> it's a great interview, but we're celebrating yeah. one fifty. So we're just gonna. We're just going to talk. 
150 episodes, man. That's like so many. That's one more than 149. How many fintech podcasts have two Grammy award-winning musicians on, two UFC fighters on, and 85 CEOs, and strippers, call girls, prostitutes? We we interview everyone, farmers, farmers. Yeah, the uh, farmer episode that was a good one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go onto our website. Well, I'm gonna randomly click back into our history and see who we interviewed. Cello, what was that? My, my kids, man. <laughs> Ophelia is not as present as she used to be. I'll say that much. She's growing up. Oh, man. There. We're going to go back to... This is like the episode of uh, sitcoms where they reflect on the funny stuff. Give me an episode number. Just say an episode, episode number. Episode number six. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Episode number six. On board the Pequod. I don't know what that is. The quad. The quad. That's a what? That has to be the whale episode. That was the whale. That was the whale yeah, club. The whale people. Yeah, that was the whale well, club. That has to be super clever. I remember you asking about that. You were like, "Do you guys know what a quad is?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> a whaling ship. How how awesome is that a title?" <laughs> well, here's some and, Captain Ahab shit. We actually we had we had Gray O'Gara on there too, so that was even appropriate because he's a sailor. That's very true. Gray is our friend from college audience that he takes months off from school or he's not in school anymore, but when he was, he would take months off of school to go uh, ice fish. No, not, not ice, ice fish. fish. He's, he's, he's fishing Crab. salmon and stuff in the in Alaska. Yeah, like crazy. And then that's one, it's very lucrative. So if you're listening and you're like, uh, I'm broke, broke is a joke. Go fucking do some salmon fishing up north in Alaska. You make More a lot of money. Appropriately, Gray is the one that funded my my minor machine. Yeah, he was my yeah. he was my capital for putting together my minor because I didn't have any money. He's like, I'll pay for that's it. Gotta, Just share it. That's got to be a very interesting conversation to have. Like, hey man, I want to build this computer that mines digital money. Oh, he was sure. into Bitcoin. We talked about it a lot. He's like, I want to do this. And so I was like, hey, I don't I want to build a miner. He's like, all right, I'll pay for it. Gray split sent me a message on Twitter last week about these ICO, the ICO craze. And he sent one ICO to me about people putting tomatoes on the blockchain. And then he, all he said was, Is this the future that you wanted? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. It is. Let's do another one. Episode thirty eight. Thirty eight. Episode roulette. I'm, I'm using our search function on the website. See how well it works. It works really well. That is Alina Vranova. Two years ago, first oh. time we had Alina Vranova mm. on. That did change my life then. Zinnia on a top. I don't, I don't that know was that the is. first day that we interviewed Elena? Yeah, that was two yeah. years ago. That was, that was the first day I found out what awesome is. Now, if my memory serves me, Little B is somewhere around that episode. He's either a couple down or a couple up. I'm using the search functions. So I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Shout out to you, Elena. Give me a number. treasure. Uh-huh. Give me another I number. I don't have her number. Don't give me her oh, number, retard. Oh. Give me a number. Oh. <laughs> episode 56. 
56 is Exploring European Fintech. That's with Philip Martinko and Plutus. Oh, I remember Plutus. They were yeah. supposed to be doing something, but then... They still have the it. They're still building their platform. The I have Plutons. Damn, that was 100 episodes ago. Oh. They should get on that. If you yeah. say that, you have to say, I have Plutons, because it sounds like something like a, from Star Trek. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't really pleased with how they said they are going to do a bunch of stuff. I think that's that's a pretty common theme so far in all of this, is that a lot of people have planned on doing something, and a year later, there's still nothing going on. Just a Slack community being like, hey life, guys. Or... Well, this is like a time capsule. That was just like a, a snapshot of time. Oh, Ed, you know, then like we were, we were excited, right? We like, I guarantee you, if we talked to the us that did that interview at that time, we would have thought that Plutus was already done and working and like providing utility for people and just an app people can use as opposed to like a budding Slack community, or a large Slack community with stuff going on. And they're like, I, I don't, I have Plutons. I don't know how to use them. I don't even know if they're, they're open decentralized network exchange. Is working. Mm, that will be five plutons for that chicken burrito. <laughs> <laughs> um, we prank called a Burger King one episode. That was oh, cool. that was great. We should do that again. I feel like we should call that same Burger King again. And he's like, like, yeah, that didn't work out. Yeah, that didn't work out. Um, let's do episode one hundred three. Not too recent. Episode 17. 17. Not to hell out my hoes. Uh, it's Very Block Channel. Stuff. Oh, it's Block oh, Channel. No, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at Block Channel episode 17. Our episode 17 was Oiling the Squeaky Wheel with Mark Burgunder. That was the farmer. Nice. Yeah, that was the farmer. Nice. So for you guys that don't know... I got really excited because I found this farmer in Australia that was trying to get all of him and his farmer friends to start a little micro community that only used Bitcoin to trade their farmer things. And he did chickens. So he would like trade chickens and eggs for farmer stuff. Like, I don't think you got what you're talking about. That's not what happened. That is what happened. He got everyone in the community to use Bitcoin. Yeah. So it was like a it was yeah, like a business to, to business to type them. thing. And was, then yeah. They weren't they weren't bartering each other. Yeah, they were. That's the whole point of not using of, of of using Bitcoin is to not barter. You can barter with Bitcoin. I thought that's one of the points of Bitcoin is to barter. No. You go to a person and you're like, Hey, I got five chickens. Yeah, you got Bitcoin? That's not bartering, that's using money. That's true. Bartering would be like if he didn't get money but got something else. Yeah. Goats Bartering with like, money is just buying and selling. Yeah, it's 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 a medium yeah. of exchange. It's a you know. Uh, I feel dumb. Solving now. the coincidence of wants problem. I feel like a dumb dumb. Yeah. Okay, sure. so that's the farmer. What about episode twenty three? Three. Twenty three is it's a mad, 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 mad Bitcoin world. Where we interviewed mad Bitcoins. I hate that guy. (laughs) Dang. Wait, how do you keep all this in your dome? Like, how do you know who that is? Because I named the episodes. 
Oh, okay. I'm the one that comes up with all the names. Yeah, that was Mad Bitcoin. I don't like that guy. Next. Let's do 91. 91. Episode 91, Exosphere Academy number two. We have Moritz ah, Berling Moritz. and Shlomi Zetzinger talking about uh, Exosphere before he left Exosphere. Yeah, another snapshot in time. Man, we've interviewed a lot of damn people. Uh, I, so far, we've done too. this, and this hasn't been like a, oh, man, they're doing really well. I'm glad we interviewed them back then before they got up and coming. Now they're this huge titan. It's like, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we go back to the first lawnmower, I would say that Alex has grown as a person and professionally. Oh, no. The people well. who were involved in these projects have grown professionally. But the projects themselves, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. What does that have to say about the Bitcoin space? It tells you that it's really hard to have a successful business. Yeah. Or like an idea yeah. that really takes off. Like you can have a ton of ideas. Doesn't mean it's going to take nobody off. Nobody wants. Nobody understands the simple premise that this stuff has to be cool. Well, like I guarantee you this. There's a, a some of these people didn't work out because they didn't have the money. Some of these people didn't work out because there was like it was a crappy team or a crappy idea. It you know has what I mean? to be like, cool. Of course it does. Sorry, no, it doesn't have to be cool. It has to work. Nobody's going to use a Pluton. If it solves a problem, like there's a lot of really, really, really successful businesses that make a shitload of money that you don't know about because it's not cool. Because it solves a problem. It's cool to the problem that it solves. The Pluton people were on our show twice because Corey was really excited. Yeah, I liked Philip. I liked, I liked the idea of Plutus. And back then, there was no easy way to spend your money and that's what they started out trying to do right that was their goal was to like allow you to be able to use your bitcoin or ethereum wherever you wanted to by using the near field channel of your phone and it automatically spent whatever you wanted wherever you wanted it now we have debit cards everywhere that link to your big some bitcoin account and token card and monaco and all these different things that allow you to spend your money wherever you want based on the old traditional payment rails that didn't exist when we interviewed Plutus. They just they just didn't do it fast enough. And then we met Silly Stoner Ken, who got a Litecoin tattoo. Fan of the show. <laughs> now he has his own damn show. Mm-hmm. That happened. We've done a lot. Should we talk about Bitcoin today? Like, I mean, the only thing really exciting is that Segwit's working and the why price you, is up. Why do you think the price down. is up? Segwit. Think so? And speculation. Well, no shit, but. Oh, yeah, that's easy to say. But I think it's definitely because of Segwit. Um, How about this? And is Bitcoin Cash it. a. Is it is it an altcoin or is it a fork? It's a fork. It's a fork coin. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. It's, it's one of the only coins. It's, like, it's, 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 coin. its main purpose is to make Bitcoin obsolete. I mean, like it's, it's supposed to make, I guess, original Bitcoin proper go away. I think it's a childish thing to do. 
I'm not. Yeah, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying it's. I think it's they're being different. really childish. It's like it, different it's, than most things. It's one. I don't even know why Rhinex Charles is supporting Bitcoin Cash. Like it doesn't get rid of transaction malleability. Apparently, that it does according to what they say. Deal. Oh, when did they fix that? Don't know. It also gets rid of quadratic hashing. Apparently, I don't know how. Quadratic hashing. What is that? Hashing in a quadratic manner. It's the the, the, the computa- computational scale of processing transactions. Is it quadratic? Yeah. When cash kind of quadratic. Ability. Is it an ellipse? Is it according a to Reddit? That happened on July twenty second. Is it um, a parabola? According to this Reddit post and the top comment that has 10 points, it fixes quadratic hashing and provides signature cover value, but does not solve malleability. It removes some malleability sources, however. So P2KH should not be malleable. More complex smart contracts can. Bullshit. And they also have apparently they have like a plan in like in the on the roadmap to fix it. Bitcoin roadmaps are shit though. Yeah, well, everyone knows that. Yeah. Whatever happened to David Seaman? He went nuts. Uh, he went bananas, and then I like stumbled upon his YouTube channel the other day, and he was like talking about guns. He know. doesn't talk about Bitcoin anymore. He, uh, here, I'm gonna, he, I'm gonna, yeah. sh- I'm gonna read you the Bitcoin. titles of his last videos. Bitcoin shoot him up oh. and shit him out. He got socketed. He's an as a noun. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Let's go. His videos. So the last. Let's see. David Seaman says goodbye to rigged. Don't know what that is. Pedogate, Pizzagate, viral, now thanks to BitTorrent. Michelle Gate, Pedogate, new podcast. Anti Donald Trump, Hollywood suffers historic. There's no. John Oliver oh, is a, a visually transmitted Trump, disease. Too. He's got a hard on for Donald Trump, which is another reason why I don't like uh, him as a, as a human being. I was just going through our episodes and remembered him. Yeah. He was crazy back then. Yeah. Anybody's got a hard on for Trump, like legitimately defends Trump, uh, is crazy. So. <laughs> we lost all our Trump listeners. Then if you're going back to those the old good old days of de alienating our listenership. <laughs> well, I mean it at that time. Other times just me making shitty Japanese accents, but this one's like I, I want to alienate those people. I do. Wow, man. We had Peter Klamka on the show two years ago. Time flies. Yeah. Well, we got ads, right? Sure. Oh. Yeah, I actually forgot about them this time. Yeah. Hey, 150 is all this random banter is brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. They're located in Houston, which isn't a good place to use ATMs right now, but... You can go to Dallas and Fort Worth and a couple other places. 
Chicago, Philly. Uh, for specific locations and for more information, visit AthenaBitcoin.com because we're always adding new locations. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick.co, which is a secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where our listeners, like you, can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. They've been serving Bitcoin since 2013, so where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. If you're on the go and you need some crypto, you need an ATM, Athena Bitcoin. Is, hey, can Hootie... Can your hoodie impression do the rest of the jingles? Yeah. Wait, here we go. Uh, no, wait, the rest of it. Get your beer queer. Get your bitch queer. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that's hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I only want to get some Bitcoin. That's yeah. way better. That's right. better. Uh, we're also brought to you by BetKing. Uh, there's the Canelo fight, so you can look forward to that and make some money. I don't know what else is out there, but there is... Roulette, blackjack, poker tournaments, all that good stuff at betking.io. It's the only place where over 360 million bets have occurred. Over 7,400 Bitcoin investors have profited. 400,000 Bitcoins wagered. A lot of good good numbers there. Uh, their ICL raised 1.2 in pre-sale, which is going to be bankrolled in the marketing design, etc. It's just it's a great website, good looking, good service. And um, subscribe to that newsletter. Get the latest news and updates delivered directly to your inbox. And uh, all funds are going to be held in cold storage, and you can use your Ethereum, your Bitcoin, your Litecoin, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think the ICO ends in like one day. So tomorrow. So get, yeah, get on that. EET, bad ICO. Yeah, they've currently raised, their ICO has raised 5.1 million. So 797 Bitcoin, 4,471 Ethereum, and 826 Litecoin doesn't seem right in terms of the total U.S. dollar value. Well, guess what, Corey? This is the last episode that our sponsor. So if it doesn't seem right, it's a good time to... No, I think not... it is. Okay. Right. I'll reach out to them. Hope they... Last but not least, sure. Go we ahead. got one more. Uh, the new ICO tokens from ICO Box are going to allow our holders to vote for interesting projects, which are then applied to conduct their ICOs using ICO Box's solutions. And it's also going to allow our listeners to buy tokens at an average discount of 75%. So basically, this is just like a really good automation tool to get in on ICOs. There's a there's an easy five-stage process. There's peace of mind. Uh, there's a two-step vetting process, which I'm sure Corey likes. We all like vetting and making sure everything's legit. So head on over to that process. Head on over to icos.icobox.io. Great projects, great tokens, unbeatable price. ICOs is your new reality. Cool. I thought you guys were going to come up with a jingle that time. I was waiting to see what you guys would come up with. You don't want to hear my jingle? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Everyone wants to hear your jingle. Let it rip, bro. My jingle's mean. I don't have one. Dolphins made me cry. I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be goes. doing a. Uh, I do those ICO analyses stuff. I'm gonna be doing one You're for gonna... ICO Box just to take a look at our sponsor. Put your back in it, Cello. I'm just a baby girl. The dolphins made me cry. Now when I was a kid, I, I, I can do. When I was a kid, I didn't know he was talking about. No, the Miami they want dolphins. Baby. I thought yeah, he was talking I about real dolphins. So did I. I thought he did too. To be honest, he's not talking about real dolphins. 
No, you're talking about the Miami Dolphins. They did bad that year, so it made them cry that they lost. What? I saw that in the video, and I thought it was a play on the fact that real Dolphins made him cry. Me too. He tricked everybody. You know, he also tricked everybody by everybody in the world thinking that his name's Hootie, because it's not. Darius Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker, which is way cooler than Hootie, but is it? Uh, nah. Anyways, um, I hope that like, I just have a feeling that Rack is gonna is gonna like push this out, and they're gonna be like, this is not about Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, normally it is though. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just happen to get the 150 episode, so we're celebrating. I just, I just want to say, if anyone's listened, thank you. Yeah, man, for all you guys that listen to all these episodes, thank you for listening. And we're all gonna get better. Like we're gonna we're gonna keep going with this crypto shit. And we're gonna all you guys in the Slack, business. giving us feedback, talking to us, talking to each other, yeah, arguing about random race stuff in the random channel. Yeah, it gets kind of racial in there. And then, uh, yeah, it's been a fun 150. Ne- hopefully, these next 150 we we some- so first there was like. Ethereum, which was the first real token launch, and now ICOs are going out of control. Like, I just wonder what's next. Like, what is Plasma gonna spark up? What is when the lightning work is shot up? Like, how's that even gonna affect? I think that ICOs are just gonna be commonplace, right? Just like how stocks and IPOs happen now, but no one knows about them because they're just they're not in that world. Mm hmm. It's going to be a very similar situation because it's just a it's a decent funding model, especially if we end up with some type of regulation around them, so they become a little more standardized, and the and kind of at least maybe not regulation but standardization around them, so the investor is a lot safer because right now it's so young that most people are just basically getting scammed, not because the ICO is scamming people, but because traditional scamming tactics such as replacing addresses and and phishing things are still very, very, very lucrative because people are just too ignorant who are throwing money at these things. So when yep. that stuff starts to get better and we have more of a kind of a calm down from the everyone throwing money at everything, trying to make a quick buck, then they're just going to be there. It's just going to be like a, a way people make money. And mm-hmm. we might have like real about like, I mean, tranche to like, ICOs where this is what we need money for. We're going to raise money for it. And then they do that based on the amount of kind of uh, hype. Not hype, but like what's happening now is that there's so many ICOs that you have to go to ridiculous marketing tactics to get the attention of the average investor. Because previously, like we know, the DAO is so successful because there's nothing else people with Ethereum could do with their Ether. Mm-hmm. And then you That's had true. the first initial ICOs and everyone contributed to every single ICO that happened because there weren't anything else to do anything with your Ether. And so they figured like, why not? I got all this Ether. I made a bunch of money off of it. Throw it at this and see what happens. And now there's so many ICOs. You can't, you don't have enough time in your day to do enough due diligence and understand what projects are going on to like vet whether or not you should be putting your money into it. And so it's just going to be one of those things that you either make ridiculous marketing campaigns to try and increase the awareness of what you're doing, 
to catch the eye of other people, or you go out and find the type of investors for the people that you would like to be a part of what you're doing that can help your community grow, which is probably the more better way of doing it. Yeah, I think like, that's the better route. We're seeing it though, right? We're seeing all these people throw like yeah. ridiculous money into marketing because they can no longer just accept the fact that everyone's going to look at them. There's too many ICOs to look at. Yep. So that's that's my and, two and cents a on completely the different subject change. What do you think about SegWit, Corey? Do you think that the Lightning Network and SegWit can really launch Bitcoin into this new new era to say? You know, like I'm pretty excited about it. Well, like, like we said beforehand, like it allows for a lot of changes to take place in a software manner. Like we could we could upgrade Bitcoin much, much easier now that SegWit is a part of it. And then building layer two solutions is also much, much easier. And so in situations where state channels are useful, the Lightning Network can actually be useful. And then that reduces the costs of the types of applications or utility that's useful for state channels. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when we have that type of functionality, then you can build applications that take advantage of it, which can then turn into people using applications built on Bitcoin. And until that happens, then like it's just going to maintain that speculative vehicle that it pretty much is right now. But we have the technology now. We can start building these things, whereas previously we didn't. It's just going to take some time. I mean, Litecoin has started doing Lightning Networks. So you got to mute your mic. Your kids are yeah. playing. We can hear. Yeah. So the Litecoin, like Litecoin, has started actually doing Lightning transactions on their on the mainnet. So that's awesome. And that'll be a nice litmus test to see how Bitcoin will do the exact same thing. Like once again, Litecoin's leading the way in these things and Bitcoin can take note and learn from whatever mistakes that may or may ha- may not happen. Hmm. I think what's I think that Lightning is going to be the biggest deal of all because it's going to allow you to do those like zero fee transactions and I those don't. are a big deal. Yeah, the zero fee transactions. If you're doing many, many, many transactions between between parties, right? So like, yeah. it's going to be great for like transferring money from Coinbase user to Coinbase user or Coinbase user to an exchange. If that ex- so you have these giant hubs in the network that end up being the 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 state channel hub of sending money, and it's in a trustless way. Whereas right now, as opposed to like you use Coinbase, but Coinbase has all your has all your keys. This allows Coinbase to stop doing that if they so choose or other things to pop up to exist like Coinbase where they're not storing your keys, but provide the same type of service. So they operate like people send money. Like I would prefer to send money to someone else who has a Coinbase account if I send money from my Coinbase wallet because it's free. As opposed to sending it to someone outside of Coinbase because I pay the transaction fee of the network. Now, with the Lightning Network, you can you don't have to care about Coinbase owning your money because right now they pretty much have in order to provide that service, you have to trust them with your keys. Lightning Network allows them to, you know, you can have full access of all your money, you know, that whole thing that we got into Bitcoin for, and still provide that service through state channels. But at the end of the day, opening up a channel and closing a channel is a transaction. So you're paying the fees. So if the number of transactions that you do while that channel is open is less than 
you know, two, it's not worth it to use state channels. You need to do multiple transactions. Mm. So yeah. Hello, what do you think about all this stuff? Um, I think that I don't know why we should continue with Segwit. Was it two, two times? Two X Segwit two X. Yeah, the block size increasers already have their way with Bitcoin. Um, the yeah. BCH. So yeah, I don't understand. It's just following along with an agreement. I don't know. It's, it, was, it was appeasing people. It, I mean, all of that was a ruse and political scheme just to get Segwit to go through. That's all anyone, that's all what I think most people really wanted. They were just appeasing people and said, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do a 2x later on down the line. And now they're all backing out of it. Which is, I, I don't really personally care. I think you should vet the new technology first before doing a hard fork. Granted, a 2x hard fork isn't that big of a deal, but if it's contentious, if there's a lot of people that don't want to do it, you could end up with another chain split, which is which is annoying and a hassle. I'd rather not have that and have more of a consensus on seeing what SegWit can do. And when that fills up one megabyte blocks, we start seeing fees rise again. Then we then we increase the layer because we can see that big blocks are okay, like bigger blocks are okay in terms of network latency and network performance which was the big deal if bitcoin uh hash had never been created then then uh core still would have rejected the two megabyte block size increase so they're like you say their incentives tell the story yeah they need full blocks to have customers for the lightning network no i don't think so well you're saying that you need some type of fee? Yeah, yeah, you have to. Lightning Network is a, is good technology. I mean, you can it still enables instantaneous transactions, right? Which is really nice. So you can settle much, much, much quicker, yeah. as opposed to waiting on confirmations on the on the on the core block. T zero. That's what we're going for. For those of you that don't know, T zero means like instantaneous settling of things. It's typically the stock market. The way it works now is T three, where it takes three days to settle things. So, like you say, yeah, I made that trade, and then you don't have the funds in your account until yeah. three days later. It only says pending, but with Bitcoin. And Lightning Network and all these magical things, you can say, hey, I made that trade, and it's done. Just verified, so it's done. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that from all of the networks, all of all cryptocurrency networks, because if I'm making any trades, I load my money onto an exchange, make whatever trades I want, and then take my money off. I don't, like, there's isn't a platform that I have to stay on I don't have to keep my money on a platform in order to use it. I can just load it on, use it, and then take it off and then hold my funds in a secure way where it doesn't rely on me trusting someone else to make sure to not steal it. Like, that's possible with this stuff, whereas beforehand it was never possible. I think people, we talked about it a long time ago and we stopped talking about it, but that's still ridiculously awesome that you can do that. Yeah. 
All these awesome things, man. People need to really get behind this stuff. I think we're not doing our job with mass adoption. We need to just start doing a pamphlet drops at a C one thirties. Nobody gets time for that. Neighborhoods. Uncle Sam has time for it. No, he doesn't. Let's uh, let's switch over to the interview. This has been. Yeah, it's been a long ass roundtable. Sorry for you guys that got bored. And but here's the interview. We interviewed a guy named Rack Cello. Lay it on us. Who's Rack? Well, I gave a pretty good intro on the actual uh, actual start, but I, I will did. say that he's a Grammy Award winning producer, and his tour kicks off in his hometown of Portland on September 16th at the Wonderland Ballroom. And uh, he's probably going to come to a city near you. Uh, I will be at the Austin location, hanging out with him. So swing on by, and uh, here you go. Here it is. All right, so this is our big episode 150. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we, and our special guest is uh, RAC or, or Rack, or if you're – your close friends like like we are, you can simply just call him Andre. Um, yeah. So let, let me run this down. Uh, you know, Grammy Awards, you know, worked with Linkin Park, Weezer, Block Party, has more than 200 remixes. Um, he's uh, You're kind of like the DJ Khaled of the electronic and dance world because <laughs> everybody just hops on your music. Uh, you're about to hit the road in support of your new album, Ego. Um, you, you still think Bitcoin is still functional as a currency, but you seem to be kind of bullish on <laughs> Ethereum. So we kind of brought you on the show. And, uh, and Corey, this guy even has a gaming PC. So maybe you guys have Dota in common. Who knows? My new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, appreciate that. It's it's funny. I, I didn't realize uh, the game. I guess the gaming PC thing. I, I like tweeted it out once. So nice, uh, nice digging there. <laughs> I did my homework, man, and and I did right want on. to say something before we get into this. Is I didn't just hear about you. I I've been I was introduced to you uh, a few years back on on Strangers, and uh, oh, nice. I'm not just I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, but I really can't think of any LP in your genre of recent years that has a stronger trio of opening songs. Those those three <laughs> songs with like Block Party, Body Language, and Penguin Prison. Like if I'm in a bad mood, those three songs will like take care of it. So I just That's- wanted to say that. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, enough gushing. Uh, interview time. Yeah, so uh, I, I got, I got one. Like, let's just give them the the quick introduction. The one we'd like to yeah. kind of get, like, get your origin story. So, tell us about kind yeah. of how you got on ramped into this blockchain space, and and how you ended up where you are now, coming from, like, your background of music. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I, I became aware of Bitcoin kind of like everybody else did, like back in probably, you know, 2011. And, uh, you know, I looked into it. Um, I think at the time I didn't really have any kind of spending money for it. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't too eager to, you know, try out this new kind of unproven currency that, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty set in stone now. But at the time, it, you know, nobody really knew where this was headed, um, especially it, like I found out about it after all the Mount Gox stuff, so you know it wasn't exactly the best time to be you know getting into crypto, or maybe it actually was, but in hindsight, you know it wasn't that clear. Um, so you know I became interested in that, and uh, you know later on, it was actually in January of this year where you know I had been looking at Bitcoin. I, I saw it at like six hundred, and then I saw it at seven hundred. I was like, ah, you know maybe I should just put you know buy a few. 
and just see where this goes. Um, and I, you know, finally pulled the trigger in like January and, you know, I, I bought it off of Coinbase, like many other people. And, uh, it was, seemed like the easiest place to do it. And I saw this interesting little currency right next to it, uh, called Ethereum. And I didn't even think anything of it. I had, I think I had, you know, I, I had bought a couple of Bitcoin. I had some extra cash in my Coinbase account. So I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just throw it into Ethereum. Turns out, uh, you know, it was, it, I think it was like $9 or $10 at the time. So it was, it was kind of a, uh, you know, just a random thing that I happened to fall into. And, you know, as I saw it go up to 11 or 12, I was like, oh, you know, I might as well check it out, see, see what this technology is all about. And um, that's where I, you know, I discovered Vitalik and, and all this, you know, the, the whole Ethereum Foundation, like what they're trying to do. And I became, uh, I became like super interested in that. And um, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just going to turn off my text messages. My, my <laughs> ear is going crazy right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, I, I I was watching all these all these all these YouTube videos on Vitalik, and like I, I got really behind the idea, because uh, just to give it a little more context, before this, I had uh, I had I had been pretty into like BitTorrent, and I had seen the power of decentralized networks, and I could see what they could do, and I even got involved with that somewhat by releasing my music on on BitTorrent, you know, very early on. Um, you know, just for free as, as really like a promotional thing. Uh, there were websites like torrentfreak.com or whatever, you know, where they like posted about my stuff. And it, it was like a, it was like an interesting angle to take for releasing music. Uh, and, you know, I, so I'd, I'd been following this, this vague, you know, this idea for a long time. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, that was probably maybe like 2006, 2007. So, you know, fast forward to January of this year, you know, I'm starting to learn about Ethereum and, uh, you know, Bitcoin is, is, uh, is, is going up as well. And um, I just got more heavily involved with it. And it kind of culminated in, in uh, you know, I had, I, I had seen what Imogen Heap had done with her single on the Ethereum network a couple years ago, I think 2015 maybe. And I just thought that was such an interesting idea to have... Uh, you know, have an album, have like, you know, like a, a, a piece of music directly on the blockchain and, you know, kind of nobody could stop it. You know, the, the, the whole idea of direct to fan uh, transactions was also really interesting. Um, so I, I basically started working with, uh, with this group called Ujo, which they're part of Consensus, which is a big group that's working in Ethereum specifically. And, and you know, they, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't take credit because they did all the really heavy lifting and the hard work and, and put together the whole release on the network. So I had a, the album came out in July and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I guess it became the first album like on the Ethereum network. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of cool to be at least, uh, you know, the first one doing that. But, um, Really, you know, it was, it was more of like a proof of concept, of, uh, if anything, because we ended up not being able to put it fully on the blockchain anyway. So uh, we had to do it partially through AWS and, and things like that. So it, was, um, it ended up being more just to be like, hey, everybody, look at what we can do um, as, a, as a means to kind of attract some attention and just, uh, you know, start bringing more artists in, into this ecosystem. So 
uh, yeah, it's that's kind of the short version of it. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had Image and Heap on our show back in 2015, and I was always kind of struck. Yeah, it was it was very cool for us because we were only like on episode 30, and we're like, what's she doing on our little show? But it always struck me as she was really aggressive about it because her mission was to use blockchain to replace the record labels, replace Spotify, replace iTunes, and create a more decentralized environment. I feel like your vision is it's just a bit more realistic because you just want to simplify revenue sources and how artists get paid. So I feel like yours is a little bit more refined and realistic, and it can actually happen. Like, yeah, it, it's it's uh, a lot of the conversations that I've been having with Ujo is that you know I think they learned a lot from that. It's like uh, you know, first of all, this isn't going to happen overnight, but um, you know, basically you have to, you you kind of have to work with the industry. Like you know, this isn't going to nobody's just going to switch automatically to a brand new system, you know, unless everybody else is. So you kind of have to work with people and 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 approach it as a way to like improve improve the system and offer as a better alternative. And that will ultimately bring people over. At least that's that's my view of it. And I feel like that's kind of what Ethereum and a lot of other blockchain stuff or uh, projects are trying to do, um, you know, is, is uh, you know, kind of eliminate the inefficiencies in a variety of, in, of industries. And, and what Uja is doing specifically is for the music industry. So uh, there, there's a lot of just weird stuff that happens in the music industry so behind the scenes. So, you know, I, th I think what they're trying to do is really just, uh, you know, simplify it and just make it easier for artists to make an income because right now artists are not making enough income off of like actual music. Um, you know, people can tour and do a lot of stuff like that, but uh, it's it's very difficult with the Spotify's and um, and the apples of the world to, to make a living. And that, that's not I, it's not even a knock on them because I think it's it's just the 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 fundamental model isn't working. Uh, so it goes deeper than just any specific person or any specific company. So, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> yeah, I was curious. So, like, this, the, you can pay the artist more because you're disintermediating a lot of the, the middlemen inside of it. And like, I was curious, coming because you have somewhat of a unique perspective of being an artist that is also spend a lot of time in this in the blockchain space you have a, a, a stronger understanding of all how all of this stuff works and how it all interconnects than most people who would like to put make, like to make money off their content who would jump in and your experience yeah. so far like has it made a difference like cause i I, per, I personally bought your album through the ujo platform uh, right before this interview just to see what like the ui was like and how easy it was and i was curious like have, have you how's it been have you are you glad you did nice. it Is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, uh, did it? Did it, everything work properly? Did everything work out for like with MetaMask and all that stuff? <laughs> In terms of buying the album, yeah, the, the the website for some reason doesn't play your album. Like you push the play button, it kind of loads. It just stays oh, loading. Yeah, but like <laughs> if you can buy the album, and I got the flack, and it sounds wonderful. And nice. It's like I usually just listen to Spotify, but having this type of option where I know that the money that I spend goes. Like much of the percentage of that goes straight to the artist. I'm more inclined to buy the album. Yeah, and as, speaking of the flak version, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think that's the only place you can get the flak version. Um, I mean, I think maybe on on Bandcamp we did like a wave version as well. But you know, uh, that, that's another side of this is that you know it's it's uh, it's one of the few places where you can get like really high resolution files. Uh, 
um, you know, without going through a streaming service or whatever. So uh, as far as the actual release, uh, I'd say that on a financial level, it, it, it definitely didn't make any kind of a dent or anything like that. But uh, but I think as a as a means of like, you know, uh, talking about this new idea and uh, you know bringing this this concept to more people, it's been hugely successful. Uh, um, I feel like, you know, especially around album releases, you know, and I inevitably end up doing a lot of press and, you know, talking to different music outlets. And I want to say that uh, almost everybody asked about this. So, you know, I, I don't think I would be having those conversations if, if uh, <laughs> you know, if, that, if this project had, if we hadn't done this project. But, you know, the other really cool thing about this is that, you know, they, they did, uh, and this is Ujo's idea, they're, they're, they basically had like a tip jar of sorts. Um, so we're, instead of, you know, aside from buying the record, you can actually just tip people, uh, which, you know, obviously not everybody's going to do that, but it, it can be like pretty meaningful, like at scale, you know, uh, and it, it, could, it could be like, you know, buy like you know buy a new synth or you i don't know you could put it towards your business in some way so i I, th I think it's totally been worth it and i'm really happy with how it's gone for sure yeah and i do want to say like i i had conversations with uh talib Kuali after he released his music uh with crypto and then like six months later he admitted it was just another way to release music and get money but you i feel like you're pursuing a more creative use for the Ethereum blockchain in a legitimate way. I think people recognize it. I think they see that, and I think they appreciate it. Yeah, the the feedback has been really great. Uh, I've I because you know ultimately like this isn't like if we wanted to do a money grab, we would have done like an ICO or something, right? Like yeah. like this is just like this is a very standard like just a sale of a, a digital item, you know. Um, and the other cool thing that we're kind of experimenting with right now, and th this is this goes, you know, this can go pretty deep, but uh, where they're doing like uh, basically everybody that bought the album um, gets a, a token, like an ERC twenty token, um, and that's you know that's it, sure it doesn't have any value right now, but like it's it's sort of like uh, you know kind of envision this this. Uh, almost like a social layer where you can proudly display display your tokens uh, of albums that you bought early on, or, you know, maybe you were in the first hundred people that bought the album, like stuff like that, you know, where you can incentivize it or, or maybe, you know, you get first dibs on, on tour sales or uh, maybe you get like, you know, extra content for being a token holder. You know, there, there, there's so many things you could do with that. Uh, this, this really exciting, you know, as a, as a way to engage an audience and also just, uh, you know, just try different models. Um, yeah, it was, I yeah. actually, when I, when I purchased the album, they told me like, Hey, you know, thanks for using the, the platform and, and kind of extra thank you. We're going to send you a token at the address that you purchased it with. And then, and despite I knowing it's not going to have any value, I was like, Oh, cool. Like as a, yeah. as somewhat of like a collector, it's neat to have, like, I, I'll have that. And then eventually, like later on down the line, you can do a lot of cool things, like you said, just through like a proof of token. And mm -hmm. you can like you there's there's countless things you can do, and just all just or just displaying it as a badge of honor of like, hey, this, you know, I I have proof that I purchased all these albums through this platform, and like it's almost like a collection, like a collector's album of the music that I've like contributed to, knowing that I've somewhat helped the artists in some way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, like, especially if if this expands, you know, to a lot of different others, that's where it really gets really interesting. Like, like you said, yeah, just to kind of display what you know what you're into. I mean, you know, that that's one of the the sides of music that people, you know, like, why do people buy band T-shirts? You know, uh, why do people buy merch, stuff like that? It's because they like to kind of show off that they're into this specific artist or. Um, it's sort of like a, a reflection of your identity in, in some way. So it's cool to play with that in a digital space and, you know, where the token is actually, you know, unique. And um, I, I think at this point in time, I don't think they've limited the amount of tokens, but, you know, at some point they could do that. Um, so again, proof of concept, you know, just kind of playing with these ideas. So to, just to kind of go off of what you were saying earlier about the the money thing, it's like, you know, this is really not about the money uh, for me. Um, of course, you know, I, I certainly take it, but it's more like, uh, it, you know, this, this is about building a better industry and um, hopefully improving uh, on what we have. Uh, just because I, I feel like right now, what we currently have, it, it's maybe working for me, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I know so many people that it's just not working for them. So it, you know, and they're really talented, and I feel like they should deserve they deserve to be successful and uh, or at least make a living wage. And and that's just not happening for the vast majority of the music industry. So, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting, weird transitional time. Uh, I mean, really, for the past twenty years in the music industry, it's it's been uh, it's been quite rough uh, ever since Napster. So, um. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the music industry, uh, I feel like they've been kind of like just trying to catch up <laughs> with with uh, with all this technology. And so th that's kind of where I'm coming from. I, I just want to make things better. Well, if, if we're going to make things for the better, uh, Ethereum, you know, it definitely has the potential, but it's not going to reach mass adoption until it becomes more user friendly. So do you have any thoughts on how to achieve that? I mean, it could be pertaining to the music industry or just in general. Yeah, you know the thing with Ethereum is that uh, you don't it it can kind of live in the background. Um, you know uh, that's kind of where I see it going, uh, where people won't even know they're using the network, and it's just you know, or maybe they know it's a more fair system or something like that. But you know the the idea of people like having to deal with like wallet codes and private keys and stuff like that might not be that uh, accessible for the mainstream audience. I mean that, that's that's my view i'm sure people some people might disagree with that but i don't know i um the, you know when you think about the internet or whatever in in 94 like trying to send an email back then i mean i i started using the internet maybe like 98 that's kind of when i get into it and uh you know nothing was user friendly at the time uh and there's you know no information on how to actually you know make things work so uh, we, we've come a long ways, and that's kind of that's how I see things progressing with with this space, not just with Ethereum, with, but with everything in general. I can I can definitely feel that that same sentiment, and it's one of those like, and it it's kind of like this give and take because I feel like as Ethereum moves further and further into the background, with things built on top that allow a much more user friendly experience, you lose some of that kind of. I know that this is going straight to artist because I understand the system and how it works and mm -hmm. but you also reach a much much larger larger audience so artists end up using it because if you have such a large audience using it they're getting paid a lot more because it works that way 
like the end yeah. user doesn't really care because it's it just that's how they consume music. Or right, right, right. So it's so it's this weird thing. I don't know. Like it's I'm curious like how this is all going to move forward because me as a kind of a I guess a power user or like a, a power email user of 1994, <laughs> like I I get it all. But at the end of the day, like we, this isn't going to take off until we have things like Facebook where people don't really care. They just right. Well, I, you know, it's, it's been interesting, uh, it, because, well, I, I'm, I consider myself somewhat of a, you know, computer person, you know, I, I've, I have some programming background and, and that type of thing. So like, I, I felt somewhat comfortable with this stuff, but it was still, there was still a bit of a learning curve. And, and I, where I really noticed was like, when I'm talking to other people in the music industry and trying to explain to them some of the concepts, you know, behind this and try to explain them, yeah, you got to set up a wallet, you know, but don't do this, but do, you know, like, like trying to explain good practices on how to keep your wallet safe and, and things like that. And, uh, that, that's where I really realized it's like, yeah, we still got a a ways to go. Um, you know, the, the, I, I mean, I think, I really think like websites like Coinbase are doing a great job. I mean, despite the, super high fees but <laughs> but you know like doing a great job of making it so super simple um and i mean that that has to be the direction uh that we're going i mean you know there will obviously be niche uses for the more power users and stuff like that but like i, I really see it getting a lot simpler um you know there's a lot of people that are talking about ethereum and you know other like bitcoin especially as basically like a reserve currency where it's where it may not reach that mass adoption that everybody's been talking about, but you know maybe it it, it kind of runs in the background and uh, I don't know. I mean the, 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 there's a there's a lot of stuff that you could you could do with it. Um, I I, f- I feel like we're only at the beginning of like come you know figuring this stuff out. <laughs> but you, but you definitely think Ethereum is the is the clear front runner as as the base layer of all this technology, right? Well, you know I. I think there's going to be. I think it's way too early to be like saying that like one. Uh, well, I I feel like Bitcoin and Ethereum will 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 definitely stick around. I don't see them going anywhere. Um, it's it just seems like their uses are becoming more and more different, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I mean that's my impression. Like Bitcoin maybe more as a store of value, and and Ethereum is just a network of you know like a you know. A, programmable network and you know, I, I know a lot of people are trying to build uh, similar like roots is it rootstock is that what it's called we're mm-hmm. you know trying to build a lot of the same fun- functionalities on top of bitcoin um so uh, yeah i i see them coexisting really uh like kind of you know i, I don't think bitcoin's going anywhere <laughs> despite all the drama uh you know <laughs> all, all the stuff that's happening I'd be curious to kind of, you said before we started recording that you were like, now that you've done this, you get a lot of attention, even when you don't expect it about talking about Ethereum. For instance, I think you said you're running like a music production class, like teaching people how to like mix, mix tracks, mix audio, things like that. And you've got questions about Ethereum. I was curious if you've come up with like interesting ways of using music production, which is like a complicated task uh, and using that as Mm. kind of a vehicle to explain all of this like blockchain space or like if how, how, how you explain this, these concepts to people who are completely outside of it, but are, you know, audio technical. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the, it's, I, I don't know that I've made any specific comparisons with production. Just, 
I'm, I'm sure there's there's some analogy in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of something I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think the, the way that I try to explain it to, uh, the, I think the easiest way for people to explain it or to understand it is to talk about the, the you know, uh, to sort of talk, talk about it like on a transactional level. Whereas, because that, that's something that, that a lot of, that most musicians deal with, like even if it's not with production specifically, like everybody deals with, you know, whether that's PayPal, Bandcamp, Apple, iTunes, you know, uh, Spotify, everybody deals with those companies. Uh, so they kind of know, you know, that they, they understand the benefit of, of, you know, transacting with your fans directly. And that's kind of where I start. <laughs> um, because sometimes when you when you get into topics like decentralized networks, like you lose ninety percent of the people. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I I don't think most people really understand the value there. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, I don't. I'm not sure that there's an easy uh, solution to that. But you know, maybe they don't need to care about it. You know, maybe they just need to. Maybe it's just they need to think about it as like the artist is getting more, or it's more fair for the artist. Uh, and that's enough of a reason, you know. Um, I was I mean, curious. There, yeah, I was yeah. curious if, like, I, I, this is completely off topic, I guess, or maybe it's not. But like you said, it's it is more fair for the artist. But are there like I remember we were discussing it with Imogen, and we also talked to Ujo a while back too. How you can you can almost break up percentages of each each download into paying off your producer or your your you know somebody who contributes to the track things like that so you can have basically disperse it in percentages on every download so that you can really control the flow of money from the end user to whoever you'd like it to go to in the end is there, is there something yeah. like that in terms of how ujo works now or is that something in the future uh so uh th th that is i mean ujo like yeah they, they built all of that cap uh, capability so yeah they could definitely do that um what for this specific release that I did, we didn't do that um, only really because of time. That was the only reasoning. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we didn't do that specifically, but they have the capacity to do that. So that, that's one of the like really exciting things that you can do is like, you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, immediately pay or, or like basically build all that logic directly into the contract. So so it's just automated and it's transparent too, which is cool. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, be able to read, uh, the code or whatever, but you know, they can at least know that it's there and it's, it's public and you can see where the money is going to. Um, and there's no weird accounting. You don't have to wait six months, you know, uh, and you don't have to, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of room for mistakes, uh, when you, you know, when when you do it in the current system, so th this there's a there's a potential to really you know, kind of clean that up and make it even quicker. You know, that that's the other side of this is like cash flow, um, especially when you're you know when you're working on an album. Uh, you know, so sometimes you won't see that money for really like two or three years. Uh, you know, unless you get an advance from a label and then they won't see that money for a couple of years. And a lot of that is due to these kind of inefficiencies in the system where, you know, people don't get paid for six months or, you know, or maybe they missed the, they lost the check or the accounting was wrong or they misplaced something. You know, there's a lot of room for error and having this be transparent and open like that. I think that's like there's huge potential there. Um, 
So that, that's that's definitely one of the things I'm really excited about, and especially for like uh, like the album that I put out. Um, had we had more time, it would have been like really cool to be able to do that because every song has a different collaborator. There's a lot of different writers on each song, um, and those those splits are all heavily negotiated, and it's all you know behind the scenes. Nobody really knows what that is, but you know it'd be kind of cool to have that you know wide open and uh, you know. So you could directly see where your money is is going to, you know, see you, you could literally see how your artist is benefiting from that, uh, which I think is awesome, you know. So it, it's not that user friendly right now, but you know, <laughs> when it gets there, uh, you know, those kind of stats could be available, which is pretty cool. So, and I guess the other side of the of the coin, because me and Corey were we're both vinyl heads. Would right. I be able to? Yeah. Would I be able to? Like, say, I wanted a clear vinyl of Ego. Am I able to use crypto to support you in that avenue? Or for, for right now, I'm just going to get a like a flack or a or a high resolution wave uh, with my Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, for, for now, it's really just digital items. But you know, there's really nothing stopping us from doing that. Um, in in fact, that, that's something that we're actively talking to with Ujo as to how to basically bring all or the entire store, the web store into that into into the system you know uh, i mean obviously it still relies somewhat on you know legacy sh you know shipping services and, and that kind of thing you know uh you can't necessarily you, you still have to trust that you know you will that the person will send you the item but <laughs> yeah that's there's true. probably something you could do with like reputational like uh, accounts and the, the, there's a lot you could do to to, to kind of mitigate that but um yeah, that, that's that's one of the things we're exploring, and you know, not just for uh, for physical, but also for all these other digital items, and uh, we're kind of exploring the idea of like unique digital versions of a song, for example, like uh, like if I did like an acoustic cover or something like that, like what what if somebody wanted to have, or maybe just a limited uh, limited version of it. So we're kind of exploring uh, ideas like that, and like how to. Hmm. how to make uh um i don't know like definitely do like collector's albums off of that and i can imagine i mean, I, I automatically foresee a a very market driven kind of exchange of collectible music you know this this track only got 50 presses that can only be purchased through this certain thing which can then right. which will automatically create a market because people are collectors and they will buy and sell these types of things or just collect them because they're it's like that's like a real badge of honor to say, like, you can't listen to this unless. Right, right. So, uh, I mean, th there's there's probably some technical issues that need to yeah. be resolved there, you know. But like the idea, I think is pretty is pretty interesting. Um, if if people were able to pull it off, I mean, yeah, th there's a lot you could do there. I mean, th that's you know similar to how the art market works, you know, um, where it's, it's, you know. If it's a very limited item, it it could gain a, a lot of value. It could become a store of value in its own right, you know, which is kind of what some art has become. Uh, so, yeah, the, I've basically the, the way I think about all this stuff is I'm just kind of taking it as, a, as an opportunity to kind of rethink how a lot of things are done. It's like, well, what if we're gonna be like, what would the industry look like if we built it today? You know, with everything that we have at our disposal, you know, what could we do? Like, what could we improve? And that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about, you know. Um, and like, how can we improve this for everybody? You know, make it a little more artist centric. 
That's uh, really could, beautiful, though, because it's that's exactly what the kind of the whole industry needs is people mm-hmm. with a given domain experience. Yours being music and music, like the music industry, mm-hmm. and you learning about this technology and then how it affects what you know already traditionally and how to rebuild that type of stuff. And this technology could potentially touch a lot of different things, but it's not going to be, it needs to be collaboration with the, you know, the nerds on this side with the mm-hmm. half nerds on the other side, like yourself. I mean, I'm not calling you a half nerd. You know what yeah, I mean? No, no, like, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I don't, couldn't yeah. think of a better way to put that, but like it, it has to be <laughs> collaborations with people who have domain experience in these disparate areas of kind of technology. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that's that's one of the um, the issues that a lot of other kind of music startups in this space are having is that, you know, talking they're they're thinking about a lot of big ideas, but um, they're not getting too involved with the music industry until later, and uh, so with with Ujo, I think what they're trying to do is to work with um, work with people early on and uh, you know get input and work with the industry and and you know try to solve the problems from the inside uh because you know ujo specifically they're you know they're thinking about being um you know public facing as well but also you know working behind the scenes and building a lot of tech that kind of runs the the back end of things so um so it's 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 very broad in scope which i i appreciate uh yeah i mean the, the the there's a lot of room for improvement, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about all this stuff. Like, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of been all-consuming for me for the, for the past, year, like, you know, since January. So, <laughs> isn't it cool though yeah, that you get to jump in? Sorry, Michelle, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, isn't it cool that you can jump in from your perspective and, imme- and immediately have an impact, or like, it, it, you feel like you're, you're helping the technology get to where it needs to be by doing what you love to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the, 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 these are problems that we've been talking about, you know, internally for for a very long time. You know, like how do we, you know, how do we make publishing more? How do we do like automated licensing, which is actually a really big deal. So right now, if you want to license a song, you have to contact a company. That company has to get back to you, has to give you a quote. Um, you have to negotiate a rate based on, you know, the use case. Uh you know, this is all over email. So let's say, let's say you're you're a YouTube channel. Or let's say you're a podcast. You want to license an intro song. You know, maybe maybe it's a small thing. You know, you don't have a, you don't have a whole lot of uh, followers, but you know, you like the music. You want to use it. Like, why can't we have an automated system that you know, where you can link your social media accounts and be like, this is what I'm using it for. Um, here's you know, based on the number of followers and the reach here's you know maybe it costs like 50 bucks or 100 dollars or something like that you know much more affordable for for a small channel or a small content creator and then you know that can scale up when you're working with the the hbo's and and you know the netflixes where obviously the fees are going to be much higher for them because the reach is much much larger so it's like creating systems like that is 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 actually one of the more obvious use cases for me right now uh, and there's a, a bunch of different companies in this, like Jax comes to mind. They're working on this, and uh, Ujo's kind of helping out with that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's like anything to kind of streamline and make make this more efficient. You know, it's just just better, better for everybody. 
Right on. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy they were able to get you on it. Kind of the sweet spot between releasing your album and you're about to go on tour. Because I feel like if we were interviewing after you got on tour, you'd just be like super tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put your tour dates uh, in the show notes when this episode goes out. And uh, you're coming to Austin, which is super cool. It's where I live. Oh, nice. So, nice, um, nice. And... I didn't want to take up too much of your time, but there's one one question I wanted to ask you that we we pretty much ask everybody, and you're no exception. And that's uh, uh, in ten words or less, can you describe Ethereum? Oh, ten words or less. Uh, a <laughs> that's yeah, awkward. It's, it's tough. Um, I say uh, a. Uh, decentralized network with an affordable exchange of value is that under 10 yeah make, with okay, an so, affordable exchange of, that's eight words you're the nice. first person to pass in like what, nice. 13 episodes Corey. <laughs> yeah, I think so. everybody fails i i've honestly spent a lot of time trying to uh like um you know kind of explain this to people I've, I've been in the situation where like trying to explain ethereum very simply so I've, I've had a little bit of practice recently so uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll use that one though <laughs> right on well uh man i can't thank you enough for coming on and uh thank i'd you. like to speak for Corey. i mean this was awesome no for sure i would love having i love having people on that i actually like see outside of the space <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that i ended up realizing also like this space we have something in common uh, it's fantastic awesome well uh, th- thank you so much for having me and uh, have a good one guys well I wanted to give the people some audible candy so uh, as we do our outro music uh, do you want to introduce uh, you know the lead single from the album or any song you wanted to just throw out there so we can kind of wrap yeah. yeah sure so um, uh, well it's it's kind of funny it's the, the song is called this song um, which has actually been we didn't we weren't thinking about that when we like came up with the title uh, but it's ended. It's in, it's made it kind of confusing. But it's called this song. It's featuring uh, a really talented artist called Rostam. Um, yeah. So uh, take it away, guys. <laughs> Coming from next door, but I don't wanna make it out. Some type of way it used to make us both feel free Underneath the covers you would grab my hand You'd say you never listen to that me I hear a sound 